in the squadron. They called him Bullets, but we call him Greg Kelly. Greg Kelly is on the air on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Thank you to uh, two New York City cab drivers. Just had a guy, I swear, he was so good. Uh, should have taken me 30 minutes to get through all that traffic. It took about six. At times I was scared, but I was so impressed by this guy. I wish I had time to find out a little bit more. Many thanks to him. How much do you think I tipped him? Probably should have tipped him more. It's nothing to brag about, so I'm not going <laughs> to. Ten bucks. Ten bucks. It was probably a three dollar tip normally, and the other thing, and quite frankly, I gave the guy a hundred bucks. I left my iPad in a cab, and we found the damn thing. I thought, forget about it, never going to see it again. First of all, I had to undergo hypnosis to figure out where the hell I left it, and I came up with the conclusion: it has to be in that cab. It has to be in that cab. I know I left the house with it. I know I was only in two places across the street, and it had to be in the cab. So how do you find that? You look up the receipt. You look up the receipt, uh, paid with a credit card, and then you can actually call the cab company. And it was actually surprising. I thought it was uh, going to be, you know, 311 and never hear from anybody again. Um, one, Two emails and a phone call, and I was talking to the driver. And the driver came back with my iPad the next day. Just amazing. And why was I so devastated? I was really in a horrible way about it because the thing was expensive. It was brand new. I had lost another one uh, only a few months ago. And I generally don't lose stuff like this, but that was it, it really hurt. Anyway, thank you to the New York City cab community. And um, uh, what else? Hey, is Eric Adams uh, still kicking crack of ass? He's still kicking crack of ass back. And I heard he made a big speech about something. Are we going to rescue this city? It's going to have to be, you know, it's going to be up to us. It's going to be up to the people. It's going to be up to, I guess we could use an assist from some big shots, right? Some big shots who are out to do more than burnish their ego. There are a lot of billionaires out there who are just out to, uh, you know, promote their name. They don't want to, they don't want to actually do any work. And a real prime example of this is Barack Obama. Oh boy, did I catch him yesterday? Did I catch him? Did you see my Newsmax show? It's amazing. You know, they're still pushing this. So uh, Donald Trump is an anti-Semite because he met with Kanye West. Shut up with that stuff. I'm sorry. First of all, he met with Kanye before all this talk about Hitler. He made a couple of stupid tweets. Granted, they were horrible. They were anti-Semitic. But you know what? The whole damn world changed the subject, changed the um, moved on very, very quickly. I can totally understand that the. Donald Trump was not briefed or did not know about some tweet amid the tens of thousands of tweets that Kanye West has put out there. We all know that he's not an anti-Semite, Donald Trump. We all know he's a friend of Israel. We all know that Donald Trump's blood, quite frankly, his blood relatives, his creations, his grandchildren are Jewish. And what do they do? They try to say somebody like that is anti-Semitic. Meanwhile, Meanwhile, anti-Semitism is ingrained into the Democrat Party. Oh, boy, it is. Yes, it is. All right. Now, where is this stuff? Uh, Last night, I introduced you. 
Well, you've heard about it before. The left, they love Malcolm X. And you've probably heard Barack Obama talk about Malcolm X. Malcolm X, he's the, uh, well, he was an inspiration. Just listen to Barack Obama. He talks about Malcolm X all the time, uh, before, during, and after his presidency. Wrote about him in his many books. And, uh, here's, here's, here's Barack Obama in 1995 talking about what a great guy Malcolm X is, who, by the way, is a horrible, racist bigot, was, was totally all those things. Cut 33, please. Only Malcolm X's autobiography seemed to offer something different. His repeated acts of self-creation spoke to me the blunt poetry of his words. His insistence on respect promised a new and uncompromising order, martial in its discipline, forged through sheer force of will. All the other stuff, the talk of blue-eyed devils and apocalypse, was incidental to that program, I decided. Religious baggage that Malcolm himself seemed to have safely abandoned towards the end of his life. (laughs) Toward the end of his life. He died when he was like 43. It wasn't like he was a retired uh, professor somewhere and went mainstream. No. Uh, Malcolm X was a total and complete lunatic, anti-Semitic, radical jerk all the way up until the very end. And this is the guy who is like the moral conscience of the Democrat Party. Uh, just a quick refresher on how anti-Semitic uh, Malcolm X was. And I'm sorry to do this to you because he says a horrible, horrible things and uh, terminology we don't like, obviously. But here he is speaking in Harlem. I believe this is in 1963, cut 32. Trying to make you get sympathetic for them. But you was a master at that. Make you shed crocodile tears over what happened to him in Germany. You tell him what happened to you right here. You haven't got no time to cry no tears for no Jews. It is Jews right here in Holland who run these whiskey stores that get you drunk. It is Jews that run these old run-down stores that sell you bad food. It is Jews who, who control the economy of Holland and use it for themselves and for the benefit of Israel. Did you catch all that? I know the audio is a little bit uh, rough, but uh, Malcolm X saying this. Here's what he just said. Always running around here trying to tell you to get sympathetic for them. The Jew is a master at that. Make you shed crocodile tears over what happened to him in Germany. Yeah, nice guy, right? Wow, this is a really enlightened guy. You can see what a what a natural attraction he would have for a guy like Barack Obama, right? Let's see, what else happened here? What do they say next? You tell him, the Jew, what happened to you right here. You haven't got no time to cry no tears for no Jews. Okay, and then next, yeah, well, what's not to like in this message, huh, Barack Obama? You crazy freak. It is Jews right here in Harlem who run these whiskey stores that get you drunk. It is Jews that run these old rundown stores that sell you bad food. This is, um, what's the word? Anti-Semitic bigotry. That's what it is. That's what it is. And then here it goes, the piece of resistance here. It is Jews who control the economy of Harlem and use it for themselves and for the benefit of Israel. Tell me again how you felt about this guy, Barack Obama, cut 33. Only Malcolm X's autobiography seemed to offer something different. His repeated acts of self-creation spoke to me the blunt poetry of his words. His insistence on respect promised a new and uncompromising order, martial in its discipline, forged through sheer force of will. All the other stuff, the talk of blue-eyed devils and apocalypse, 
was incidental to that program, I decided, religious baggage that Malcolm himself seemed to have safely abandoned towards the end of his life. It was incidental. Part of it, but not the main thrust. And he seemed to abandon it later in life. Seemed to abandon it. See how he's giving himself all kinds of wiggle room? (laughs) Now, Malcolm X was a full-time crazy person. I mean, full-time. He talked about hateful ideology. Now, I know that guy on Long Island told me to finish the biography, and uh, I will, actually. I'm going to... Now, you could say, well, wait a second, you're, you're, you're playing a speech by Malcolm X, uh, and Barack Obama's talking about the book. Yes, but we, we have the totality of the body of work of Malcolm X. So if we're really going to cancel uh, Kanye West, you know, am I going to say I, I, we're going to cancel him, right? Get rid of the music and everything. Uh, <laughs> I think we got him. I think we caught him once again. Once again, this is this is depraved stuff, but it runs throughout the Democrat Party. Speaking of which, uh, Raphael Warnock is running for how many times are we going to have an election in Georgia? <laughs> By the way, we got runoffs, we got primaries, we got runoffs at the primaries, and it's I guess this is it: uh, Raphael Warnock versus Herschel Walker, Herschel, also known as Herschel. Uh, I'm rooting for Herschel, Raphael Warnock. Um, well. I think I can vote against him just based on this. He ran over his wife's foot with the car, alleged to have done so. Somebody yesterday, I don't want to name names, but they, they heard me talk about this. and like, I need to bring you back to the realm of fact. Raphael Warnock was not charged with the crime. Therefore, you shouldn't mention it. Well, okay, all right, right, right. So this is how politics works, huh? Um, Raphael Warnock is seen on body camera explaining to the police his version of the story. Meanwhile, his the wife says, uh, well, listen to what the wife says. Cut 38. And he just starts backing the car up. And he wasn't going fast. Like, I'm not, I'm not bleeding, but I just can't believe he would run me over. Wow, that's really tough. And it's not, uh, you know, that's not Inside Edition with Deborah Norville. That's... That's police body cam footage from Cobb County. That's part of the public record. That exists. It's not some anonymous letter uh, to Gloria Allred. That person exists. And the fake news has totally... Pre- and actually, somebody... I was surprised. Somebody told me, well, you really can't talk about that. Because charges were never filed. Hey, guess what? I'm probably going to run for mayor. And you know what they're going to talk about? Yeah, that crazy crap that happened to me in 2012. If I were running against me, I'd bring it up. I mean, go for it. I have nothing to hide. I have nothing to fear. I was totally innocent. But you know what? That's uh, that's politics. They're going to throw everything at you. They're going to make up stuff. They're going to they're going to go through the trash bag. They're going to do everything they can. And you got to know that going into it. But I mean, just because charges weren't filed against me, like, is that going to be an issue that's off the table? Uh, they're gonna they're gonna hit me about the face and breast, chest, neck, and head with that one. Anyway, I'm rooting for Herschel Walker, uh, and he is actually a very, very, very good speaker. He really is. The tone may not like the the the. the it's not what's the word mellifluous. It's not the most um, you know beautiful. It's not. It's he's. I guess he's no singer. I don't know. But listen to how this reporter tries to box him in. And he handles her like a pro. Herschel Walker is a conservative. 
I like him. He's still a friend of Trump. Um, he's on the right side of just about every issue in my book. And listen to this. He's good. He's a good he's a good politician. Cut 39. President Biden just said inflation is going to get worse if Republicans are elected. What is your reaction and what specifically will you do to lower prices? Well, first of all, the reaction is inflation has gotten worse since they've been in office. And what will I do first? You want to get our energy independence back. That really is a long-term solution. What are no, you going to no, do in the short term? It's a long-term solution because they made it a long-term, because they waged war on it. Well, right now, we got to stop the reckless spending. I, I think he's very good. You know, these, these reporters who did, who've done nothing with themselves other than look at themselves in the mirror um, and try to get noticed by some executive, you know, going to tell, tell Herschel Walker, school Herschel Walker about the issues. Um, here's another one of my favorite moments from the campaign. Herschel Walker. The question is, well, you hear the question about anything good Joe Biden did cut 40. We pressed Walker. Can he work with so Democrats? Can you name one thing that President Biden has done that you support? One thing that he's done that I support. Mm. <sighs> he eat a lot of ice cream. Take a minute and think about <laughs> oh, it. Is geez. there one uh, thing? It's going to be a while. Well, you know, I agree with one thing, but he didn't do it. When he said he'll be a unifier, we saw that he wasn't that. He called uh, the opposite side names. <laughs> this is great stuff. He's got political skill. Don't believe the fake news. And I guess the fake news is telling me that he's going to lose. And I am worried about this mail-in voting stuff. I am really kind of just, it's such a sacred thing, and they've turned it into a cheap Macy's you know, mail out the penny saver. Who can mail out the most penny savers? Wins the election? Um, no. No, we don't think so. Is it time? Oh, I'm up. I'll, give me a moment. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly, Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. We've made it so hard to be a cop. You know, one of the things about being a cop, it was uh, fun work, actually, for the cops. It was fun. And there was camaraderie and there was a kind of a brotherhood. You want to call it a sisterhood, too? Fine. It was a, a team, right? The blue. Back the blue. And we still back the blue, of course. And there's a hideous conversation about law enforcement going on in America. Totally unjust. Totally uh, out to cancel them, out to hurt them. Remember, my book is going to be an important way to push back. It's called um, Justice for All, How the Woke Left is Wrong About Law Enforcement by me. Available wherever books are sold. Uh, now, one thing here. I saw I was watching the CBS Evening News with Nora O'Donnell and boy, oh boy, do they spend a lot of money on Nora O'Donnell's hair. Have you ever seen it? It's totally, completely perfect. All right. Uh, it's just it's the best hair in the world. Uh, as far as the broadcast, it totally stinks. And um, so I saw this first on, uh, on on CBS, but they weren't the only ones. Everybody. Did you hear about the police chief who was pulled over in Florida? And. Uh, it's national news because she flashed her badge saying, you know, I hope, uh, <laughs> I hope, uh, you know, maybe you'll let me go. <laughs> the police chief of Tampa, by the way, why the hell was she pulled over? Her husband was driving a golf cart, a golf. When do you pull over a golf cart? What, what, what like, what could he possibly, you can't speed in a golf cart. I, I don't just, it's, and it actually looked like they were on a golf course, <laughs> to be honest. It looked like they were on a golf course, but they get pulled over. Now, so the cop gets out, approaches the car, and I don't have a problem with the cop. I think it's some jerk back at headquarters who made a big deal out of this because the cop, 
I think that's the right thing. Yeah. Sometimes cops will cut each other some slack and not give each other tickets. Scandal. Uh, I'll tell you how I've gotten out of a ticket or two, although then again, I've uh, gotten a ticket or two. Um, but first, this is uh, this is it, okay? So uh, set the scene. It's body cam footage you're about to hear. Uh, the officer, and they're looking at two people. Ellen, what's her name again? Ellen O'Connor is the chief of police. She's in the passenger side of the golf cart, and her husband is in the driver's seat of the golf cart. And this is how it all goes down. Good. I'm Deputy Chicago Sheriff's Office. Stopped you because you're driving tag or uh, unregistered vehicle with no tag on it. Is your camera on? It is. I'm the police chief in Tampa. Oh, how are you doing? I'm doing good. Okay. I'm hoping that you'll just let us go tonight. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'll say, uh, not to say I, I, you look familiar, so. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm sure I do. Okay. So, all right, folks. Well, uh, have a good night. Staying over here in East Lake Woodlands? Yeah, we live in East Lake Woodlands. Yes. Ah, uh, okay. All right. Well, it's nice to meet you. <laughs> so, I'm Deputy Jacoby. Okay. Same here, my friend. All right. Take so, care of yourself. All right, Sorry take care. Sorry to bother you. All right, no worries. No worries. Like I say, we have a lot of problem with the uh, the golf carting around here. You know, everybody yeah, gets no, out. we don't normally come out. We never the club come was out. closed. We never, so we saw never. the Greek place to get some food. All right, then. We'll take care. And uh, it was nice meeting you. All right. <laughs> oh, all right. You ever need anything, call me. Okay. Serious. All right. Thank Appreciate you. that. Thank you. Yes, ma'am. You're welcome. Thank so. you for your service. Thank you for yours. Thank you. So, take care. All right. No problem, right? <laughs> it's on the evening news. She lost her job. Hey, when you get pulled over by a cop, aren't you hoping that they don't write you a ticket? I think she speaks for all of us. All of us, especially me. Uh, the fake news pounded away at this one in a grotesque fashion. And that poor woman has lost her job. More when I come back. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Wow, this Twitter thing is really, uh, it's big and it's getting bigger. No wonder why they want to cancel it. There's a lot of truth there. It's uncensored, unfiltered, uh, thanks to Elon Musk. And that's great. However, as I was talking to my friend Rudy Giuliani last night, uh, as much as we like and admire Elon Musk, uh, the richest man in the world, we shouldn't have to rely on him for our free speech rights. It's just amazing that it comes down to him. And these billionaires, as you know, they can be pretty capricious. They can change their mind. They can just switch on and off like that. And, uh, you know, can we count on Elon Musk? I'm so glad. Look, and we <laughs> he doesn't really owe us anything. Um, the Constitution, that's what we rely on. You know, I, I'm now grateful for Elon Musk that I'm not being censored or canceled or reduced or uh, I'm still I, I still see people looking over their shoulders to make sure that oh, nobody can hear them when they say something about this. And so many people do, even liberals. Liberals are totally freaked out about the conversation uh, in America right now. Uh, yeah, they're on the, of all colors, by the way, I've noticed. Uh, but white liberals, oh, boy, they're in a they're in a they're in a weird spot. All right. So. Do we have this? <laughs> you heard the body cam footage. Actually, do we want to do John Bolton first? John Bolton, that weirdo. Do you remember this guy? He is what they call a neocon, I guess. He, he advocated the, the, the blowing up of the United Nations. This is a radical, hard-right weirdo. And um, he helped bring us the Iraq War. 
It, it, that that was the he, Wolfowitz, all those guys, you know. Uh, weapons of mass destruction, we'll go in there, we'll go in there. It's a precision strike. We'll go in fast and we'll go in and we'll we'll cut the head off of Iraq and it'll all crumble and uh, we'll be welcomed as liberators and all that stuff. John Bolton was basing all of this on uh, some book he read, by the way. Okay, he never served in the military, didn't know a damn thing, like all those guys. All those guys in the Bush administration. It really boggled my mind, actually, that before Donald Trump came along, you know who the, the front runner was for the nomination in 2016 uh, for the Republicans? It was Jeb Bush. Yeah, my brother, he's the one who uh, got us into that war in Iraq, remember? Yeah, I do. Get lost. <laughs> why? 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 The Bush name uh, is mud, and it should have been mud then. And it was fantastic uh, when Trump, right to his face, right to his face, said, Iraq was a big, fat mistake. And your brother and you, you know, uh, you're, you guys, you did that. You did that. And he was booed. Trump was booed. And that's when I quite frankly said, this, this is my guy. Because I was like running around with like a, I could not believe it. We invaded the wrong freaking country. Looking for weapons of mass destruction. That was a pretext, of course. Uh, who knows what their real agenda was. I still can't figure it out. But we invaded the wrong country. Oops, no weapons of mass destruction. Bush somehow gets reelected. Well, we've got to fight the terrorists there. Otherwise, we'll have to fight them here. Yeah, great, great. That's a, that's a, that's a bumper sticker. You guys helped ruin the world. And now John Bolton wants to be president. John Bolton, because Donald Trump said something he didn't like. Can I hear uh, the word warmonger, the phrase warmonger? Um, it's really kind of a hippie thing. You haven't heard that since the 70s, but it really applies to a guy like John Bolton. For all of his PhDs, for all of his uh, foreign policy position papers, this guy said invade Iraq. Remember this. They're not smarter. They're not smarter than all those people with those silly credentials, it's just a way to kill time and to decorate their office. And the country is not designed this way to rely on experts. We do not delegate like that. Certainly not to a guy like this. John Bolton, go ahead. Some news there. You are essentially telling us that you would consider getting into the 2024 race. Absolutely. I, I think I think to be a presidential candidate, you can't simply say, I support the Constitution. You have to say... I would oppose people who would undercut it. You know, we used to have a thing in the House of Representatives called the House Un-American Affairs Committee. I think when you challenge the Constitution itself the way Trump has done, that is un-American. Let's stay here for a moment. Just walk me through your thinking. What does your timeline look like? What would cause you to cross into saying what you're saying now and actually being a declared candidate for president? Look, all of the potential candidates know what Trump has said. This is no secret to anybody. I don't see why they aren't saying it right now. I, I think the, the voters, the Republican voters, people who choose the Republican nominee, nearly 95 percent disagree that Donald Trump is more important than the Constitution. I'm afraid there are some who would stick with Trump on this. What does a candidate have to lose by appealing to 95 percent of the base of the Republican Party? I actually think most Republican elected officials in Washington disagree with Trump mm -hmm. on this, but they're intimidated. This is the time where there's strength in numbers. The more people who tell the truth, the easier it is for everybody else. It's so too late for you to you... tell the truth. It's too late for you to tell the truth. This is a guy who helped lie us into Iraq. 
And now he's lecturing us about the truth. And, oh, by the way, he's lying every step of the way. Now, what Donald Trump is talking about is not throwing out the Constitution. It's in the context of the stolen, yes, I do believe, it is my hunch. Can I prove it? No. But it is my str- – and I have massive evidence, actually. I know that the election in Pennsylvania was essentially illegal. Now, can I prove to you that the election was stolen? I cannot. However, I have strong, strong uh, doubts about the fairness of the election. Donald Trump does not uh, share those doubts. He's totally convinced, and that's his right. So if the election is stolen, as he believes, there is no mechanism to have another election. Maybe there should be. Maybe there should be. If we find out, well, we found out that Twitter and the FBI buried the Hunter Biden laptop story, didn't they, right? They buried it six feet deep. They thought, actually, it was a shallow grave, and we all found out about it anyway. Um, they buried it, thought it would go away. It didn't. Now we know that the FBI, in collusion with big tech, Democrats at the behest of the Biden team, did everything they could to protect Biden and hurt Donald Trump. Now that we know all that, is it, isn't it his prerogative to say, well, do we hold another election now? Yeah, I know there's no provision for that in the Constitution. That does not mean it's contrary to the Constitution, by the way. You know, there are a lot of things that we do that you can't find in the Constitution. A lot of things. Hey, oh, by the way, like shutting down the economy for COVID. Telling this old lady that she could not go to Arby's for lunch because she wasn't wearing a mask and then wrestling her to the ground, arresting her. All these things are not in the Constitution. (laughs) So uh, John Bolton, no, he's not. uh, It'll get him on TV a little bit. Uh, Nobody with that mustache is ever going to pose any kind of threat politically. We're back to where we were in 2015. I think we almost are exactly in 2015. Uh, the Republican um, establishment was as horrified by Trump as they are today. Only one senator had come out in favor of Trump. Back then it was Jeff Sessions. He's gone now. And the one who supports Trump, the one Republican in the U.S. Senate, I believe, is Tommy Tuberville. Isn't he like a famous coach or something like that, right, from Alabama? Tommy. Tommy Tuberville. Um, hey, good for him. I like it. I, uh, I like him, and uh, he can do it again. Now, I do think, and I say this as a friend of Trump, at some point, at the right moment, he's going to have to change the game, change the tone. It will confuse the hell out of the opposition, and I think introduce him to people on the left. They have nothing to fear from this guy, nothing. And the more they say he's a bigot, what they're trying to do is protect and conceal and camouflage their own bigotry. All right? Isn't that right, Barack Obama? Who's that guy you're in love with so much still? Cut 33? Only Malcolm X's autobiography seemed to offer something different. His repeated acts of self-creation spoke to me the blunt poetry of his words. His insistence on respect promised a new and uncompromising order, martial in its discipline, forged through sheer force of will. All the other stuff, the talk of blue-eyed devils and apocalypse was incidental to that program, I decided. Religious baggage that Malcolm himself seemed to have safely abandoned towards the end of his life. (laughs) All that uh, racism and anti-Semitism, incidental. I mean, it was there, but incidental, apart apart to uh, self-respect. What? Uh, Here's a little bit of Malcolm X. Towards the end of his life, by the way. On the Jew, as he put it, Malcolm X. Always running around here trying to make you get sympathetic for them. The Jew is a master at that. Make you shed crocodile tears 
over what happened to him in Germany. Oh, boy, what a bad, bad man this is. Next, you tell him what happened to you right here. You haven't got no time to cry no tears for no Jews. Thank you, Malcolm X. Wow, what an enlightened guy. I can see what Barack Obama really saw in you. Mm. It is Jews right here in Harlem who run these whiskey stores that get you drunk. It is Jews that run these old rundown stores that sell you bad food. Yeah, it's all the Jews' fault. Right, right. Culprit. They're the go-to culprit in history, it seems. And what has that led to? Wow. It's amazing. It's amazing. You know, they should have vetted this guy in 2007, 2008. What do you think, huh? I, I tell you what, if I found out that Donald Trump liked uh, the Donald Trump liked a guy like this, then we'd have a problem, a real problem. See, Kanye West, Kanye West did not make his life as some sort of sociologist, you know, offering critique. He's a singer on the he's a singer. He's lost his mind and his head within the past year. And he saw it. Now he says the most hateful stuff. The most, but this is his brand. This is what Malcolm X was all about. And this is what Barack Obama signed up for. It is Jews who control the economy of Harlem and use it for themselves and for the benefit of Israel. Well, that's not anti-Semitism. Are they going to challenge every Democrat who comes on television and try to get them to, uh, to condemn Barack Obama? Condemn condemn Nancy Pelosi, to condemn AOC. They should all, right? Isn't that kind of, like, logical? I think it's logical. Instead, what do they do? Every Republican who shows up, they put him through the paces now. You, uh-oh, Donald Trump said something. We're going to lie about what he said. We're going to take out of context what he said, and we're going to make you uh, condemn what he said. And Republicans, these uh, most of them are just losers, and they always get boxed in all over it. Cut 27, please. Cut 27. Donald Trump was your nominee in 2016 and 2020. You voted for him. Stop. In 2016. Just so you know, this is uh, George Stephanopoulos talking to David Joyce, uh, a Republican, who only came to my attention the other day because Hakeem Jeffries, Democrat of Brooklyn, the new House leader, is very excited to be working with Dave Joyce. You know what their joint progress, uh, their joint proje- project is? Legalizing cannabis, marijuana. Thanks. Keep going. Was your nominee in 2016 and 2020. You voted for him mm-hmm. in 2016 and 2020. Now he's talking about suspending the Constitution. Can you support a candidate in 2024 who's for suspending the Constitution? Well, again, it, it's early. I think there's going to be a lot of people in the primary. Whoever the Republicans end up pick, I'll fall in behind because that's... Even if it's Donald Trump and he's called for suspending the Constitution? Well, again, I think it's going to be a big field. I don't think Donald Trump's going to clear out the field like he did in the 60s. That's not what I'm asking. I'm asking you if he's the nominee, will you support him? Uh, I will support whoever the Republican nominee is. It's a remarkable statement. You'd support a candidate who's come out for suspending the Constitution? Well, you know, he says a lot of things. Uh, You have to take them in context. I can't be uh, really chasing every one of these crazy statements that come out about from any of these candidates at the moment. But but that's an extraordinary statement. You can't come out against someone who's for suspending the Constitution? Well, first off, he has no ability to suspend the Constitution. Secondly, But he says he's for it. Well... You know, he says a lot of things. We're going to continue to move forward as a Republican majority and as a Republican conference. 
I don't see how you can move forward if your candidate is for suspending the Constitution, but thank you for your time this morning. Now, suspending the Constitution. Holding a new election is not suspending the Constitution. Yes, it's extra to the Constitution. You know what's, you know what's actually uh, the result of suspending the Constitution? Arresting this poor lady in Houston for not wearing a mask. Cut 28. Ma'am, are put you? your hands behind your back. That's it? It goes on like that. Anyway, um, the poor woman is being arrested. You know, your business was shut down. Was all, any of that stuff constitutional? How pathetic is that Republican, by the way, letting himself get boxed in on this stuff? You know what you got to do at moments like that? Dave Joyce, whatever your name. Um, think about what Rush would do. Rush Limbaugh. Boy, oh, boy, do we need that guy right now. Uh, Eddie in Riverdale. Hello. Hey, 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 brother Greg, how are you? I'm a, I'm a big fan of you and your dad. I met your dad many times. I got pictures with him. Uh-oh, there's uh, a butt Greg, coming. I can tell it. I can tell it. I can tell it. What's going on? Greg, I love you, but don't be mad at me. I'm not uh, mad. It's okay. What, what, what do you got? Greg, 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 I love you. You're my Christian brother. I'm I'm Yugoslavian, American, Muslim. Uh, I'm with you guys. We, we, I grew up with everybody. I love everybody. But Malcolm X, he did say some bad things, but... He changed his life completely when he converted into Islam. And he also warned us, if you, if, if you ever watched the speech, about liberals. I know. I know. In, in the minority community. Listen. He did warn us about it. Um, but the thing is, the thing is, the thing is, I mean, by today's standards, though, you can't say, well, he said some bad things, and, but he said some good things. I mean, this is, this is after his conversion to Islam, by the way, this speech that you just heard. Now, Eddie, I, I did promise a viewer, a, a listener the other day who told me I must finish the Malcolm X book, and I will. I promise you that. I'm going to take a look at it. Um, but you got to admit, by today's standards in politics, today's standards, you can't embrace somebody like Malcolm X. I mean, if we're going to be fair, if we're going to say Kanye West, right, just having a cup of coffee renders you ineligible for high office. Eddie, you see the contradiction? You see the hypocrisy there? I appreciate it. Hey, I, I, I love all good people. We're, we're all brothers and sisters. God bless you. Salam alaikum. Shalom alaikum. Eddie. Norman Eddie from Sutton Place, 57th Street. Wait a second. Wait, wait, Eddie, are you in, uh, I thought you were in Riverdale. You're at Sutton Place? I, I live in Riverdale, but I'm a doorman by Sutton Place, 57th Street, by the corner. That is, uh, that is a great neighborhood. You ever see that guy from the U.N.? Who's the Secretary General? He lives right around there. Veterans Parade. I gave your dad a big hug. <laughs> he was marching with Manhattan College students. Yeah. Eddie, we appreciate it. Thank you very much, Eddie. Hey, it's totally fine. You know, I sometimes I jump down people's throats when they disagree. Everybody has that right. I know I say some uh, stuff that some of you may consider out there, but uh, that's okay. That's okay. Uh, I appreciate it, Eddie. Thank you. Oh, I'm a little bit late. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hey, how about that uh, Kirstie Alley, dead at the age of 71, uh, cancer. Kirstie Alley, she was big in Cheers, of course, and uh, the Two Men in the Baby movie, wasn't she in that? And also, I remember her most vividly from Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. She played a Vulcan, and uh, she was terrific in that movie. Um, seemed like a really uh, spunky lady. Uh, I liked her. I think she was kind of an outspoken conservative later, right? And she definitely did not go with the flow in Hollywood, and that may have given her something of a 
a harder time than she deserves. So um, I'm going to play that uh, that one of those scenes from her in in Star Trek Two. That was the first time I was actually in a movie. You know, when you're a kid and you said, "Wait a second, I recognize her. I've seen her somewhere else." Like that was one of the first times that ever happened to me, and I had seen her. I guess in was she in Cheers at that point? Yeah, she had been in Cheers. Uh, or maybe that's too early. Uh, I don't know. Anyway, uh, let's go to Rich in Connecticut. Hey, Rich. Hi, Greg. How are you? I, I, I just want to uh, take issue with the uh, your conservative uh, anti-interventionist views. But if I could just say something about anti-interventionist views, I'm just not for invading the wrong country. All right. They told us weapons of mass destruction. There were no weapons of mass destruction there. It was a long expensive, deadly diversion from what we should have been doing. There's absolutely no excuse. You do me a favor right now, Rich. You tell me why America should have gone into Iraq. Okay. Uh, well, first in the can, – can, uh, okay. You know that Saddam Hussein gave 70 of his jets to his advanced uh, – to his uh, – uh, uh, all right. Uh, you're not convincing me already. All right. I, I, we don't we don't send one hundred and fifty thousand guys into Iraq because he got rid of some old MIG fighters. OK, that were secondhand in the first place. I mean, give me a break, pal. All right. Remember the axis of evil and all that stuff. And if they don't uh, if we don't get them there, they're going to get us here and weapons of mass destruction and all that crap. It was all a lie, buddy. I, I don't see where you get off, uh, I mean, why you're interested in, in sticking up for the George W. Bush administration. They got it a 1,000% wrong. So, all right, give me one other reason other than the 70 planes that I'm not worried about. How about the first, The first? okay, there's a big difference between the war in Iraq and the occupation. The war in Iraq went fine. It was the occupation that was a total uh, blunder. Nah, the war, I was there for the invasion, and I was also there for a good chunk of the occupation. And actually, the problem started with the invasion. So we put a real lightweight in charge of it. His name was uh, Tommy Franks. And you know how Tommy Franks became a four-star general? By being a good old boy. All right, you can go very far in the military by being a good old boy. And he came up with these silly slogans like, "Well, we're gonna we're gonna race. We're gonna what did he say? Speed kills. We're gonna get to Baghdad. We're gonna cut off the head of uh, uh, Iraq, Saddam Hussein, and everything's gonna fall in line." Well, speed doesn't kill; it just passes your enemies by, and that's why the insurgency lasted as long as it did. The occupation, as you say. I'm sorry, Rich. You're not going to convince me, and. Uh, I have a hunch that you haven't been to Iraq, have you? Honest. Honest. Iraq? No, I haven't. All right. Thank you very much. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Uh, Mitch McConnell's on TV right now. Well, I respect for all Republicans, and I think for all the American people, when we condemn Donald Trump's reckless remarks regarding suspension of the Constitution. American people must always be assured that the Constitution... Shut up. They're totally... He falls for it every single time. Falls for it every single time. The fake news, they mischaracterize, they lie, they take out of context things that Donald Trump says, and then they try to get every single Republican to uh, apologize for it, atone for it, condemn Donald Trump, whatever. And uh, most of them do. Most of them do. Now, I'm looking at something on uh, CNN right now, and I feel like Mr. Hond in Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Oh, what the hell? 
just what the hell do you think you're doing, Spicoli? Am I hallucinating or something? What am I looking at? I'm looking at gold medals being handed out to Capitol Police uh, for their expert handling of the January 6th situation. Uh, next up, let's give uh, posthumous medals to the uh, crew of the Titanic, right? Uh, what the hell? This is insane. There was the uh, complete and total failure. Gold medals, right? You know how do they how do they do that? Uh, well, again, it was all an attempt to get Trump. So, what do they do? Very cynical move. Remember all those um, officers who they got to cry at those hearings. Did you notice anything about the officers? Uh, one was black. One was Hispanic. One was a pretty woman. Uh, one was a hillbilly. Right? To make it very. Awkward for people like Mitch McConnell to say anything remotely critical of the men and women in law enforcement on Capitol Hill. Um, and they all play this. They all they all go along with this. I, gosh, the truth will set you free. Congressional gold medal awarded to officers who defended the Capitol. That was the problem. How about finding the guy who decided to put bike racks in front of the Capitol and saying, uh... How much money did you get from the Democrats? Hmm? Now I got to defend a cop. I love cops, by the way. All right. But we got to be real here. And one of the cops who got a medal in all this is Lieutenant Michael Byrd. I shot Ashley Babbitt because I thought she was a threat. Yeah. Well, as she approached, I picked up my gun and shot her. It just. And Lester Holt says, uh-huh, and then what did you do? Uh-huh, mm-hmm. thank you, thank you, Lieutenant Byrd. How did it feel to get that gold medal? How did it feel to be criticized by people on Facebook? Oh, yes, tell us all about that. And now, this country is having a, uh, I don't know, an identity crisis with itself. And all too often, they take it out on the cops. Uh, this This woman, I'm really starting to just feel kind of angrier and weirder about the whole situation. Her name is Ellen O'Connor, and she was the chief of police of Tampa until, well, yesterday. So a couple of months ago, she's driving along in a uh, golf cart. Actually, do we have, um, before the CBS News report, let me hear the body cam stuff that we got, all right? She's pulled over in a golf cart with her husband. She's not even driving the golf cart. Why do they pull the golf cart over? Because the golf cart doesn't have a license plate. I never thought that a golf cart needed a license plate, but apparently it does. Anyway, listen to this. Does this does this sound like it should be a federal case? Does this sound like something that somebody should lose their job over? Does this sound like something that Nora O'Donnell needs to put on the on the CBS Evening News? Go ahead. Good. I'm Deputy Chief Sheriff's Office. Stop you because you driving tag or uh, unregistered vehicle with no tag on it. Is your camera on? It is. I'm the police chief in Tampa. Oh, how are you doing? I'm doing good. Okay. I'm hoping that you'll just let us go tonight. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, I'll say, uh, not to say I, I, you look familiar, so. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure I do. <laughs> okay. So, all right, folks. Well, uh, have a good night. Staying over here in East Lake Woodlands? Yeah, yeah. live in East Lake Woodlands. Yes. Ah, uh, okay. All right. Well, it's nice to meet you. <laughs> so, I'm Deputy Jacoby. Okay. Same here, my friend. All right. Take so, care of yourself. All right, Sorry take care. bother you. All right, no worries. No worries. Like, say, we have a lot of problem with the uh, the golf carting around here. You know, everybody. Yeah, no, we don't normally come out. We never the club come was out. Closed, we never. And we saw never. the Greek place to get some food. All food. right, then we'll take care. And uh, it was nice meeting you. All right. <laughs> oh, all right. If you ever need anything, call me. 
Okay. Serious. All right. Appreciate thank that. Thank you. Yes, ma'am. You're welcome. So. Thank you for your service. Thank you for yours. Thank you. So, take care. All right. Sounded like a pretty pleasant interaction to me. You know, that woman, the chief of police, she didn't say, do you know who I am? She didn't say, you better let me off or else. Uh, she presented her identification, which I think she's supposed to do. Actually, I think you're supposed to identify yourself as a police officer. This I'm not 100% sure about this. Now, why would you do that? Well, what if the cop happens to see your gun? If you're a law enforcement officer and the cop was pulling you over, sees the gun. Shouldn't you alert the cop that there's a gun in the golf car or in your car? She, she just said, I'm hoping you let us go. That suggests that he, he doesn't have to. She's hoping. Anyway, uh, some jerk back at headquarters gets a hold of this, and what do they do? An investigation. We must have an internal review. Hey, one other thing. Um, remember, she was not driving the golf cart. And you know what else bothers me? I see the guy who's driving the golf cart. Nice guy. And there's there's a momentary look of pride. You know, he's proud of his wife. You know, the officer recognizes his wife. Wow. it's I can tell he's proud of her. And I thought she handled herself very well. I have no problem here. And, yeah, you know what? I've gotten out of a ticket before. Not a ticket once it's issued. I've never been able to do that. As a matter of fact, I got a court date in a couple of weeks. Why? They got me going uh, too fast over the Marine Parkway Bridge. So they say I'm fighting this ticket. Happened uh, before COVID, and I've been putting in the date. It always gets uh, put off because of uh, the COVID. I'm sorry, because of Zoom and whatever. It was canceled, this, that, and the other thing. It's been like three years. I had a cop let me go because he liked my Yankee hat. I had a cop once. Um, I noticed, I said, oh, you're a Marine, because he had a little Marine uh, Eagle Globe and Anchor on his tie, and he let me go. I actually don't mention that my dad's law enforcement, and he told me a story once a long time ago. Uh, he was a young cop, and a bunch of kids pulled up to him in a vehicle, and they said, hey, this is Chief Callahan's son, expecting my dad to get all nervous or something like that. You know what he said? Get out of here. What do I care? <laughs> I just thought that was a pretty cool reaction. <laughs> so I always have that in the back of my head. You know, oh, you know, um, uh, Ray Kelly's my dad. I'm sure they would 99 times out of 10 extend that courtesy or whatever. There's, Yeah, it happens, folks. It does. But I've got it in the back of my head that says, what do I care? <laughs> Just, uh, all right, so what does the fake news do with this, all right? It's on the evening news, which used to be a big deal with helmet head um, Nora O'Donnell introducing it all. Go ahead. Well, Tampa's police chief resigned today after an investigation into a traffic stop where she asked for special treatment. Body cam video shows the now former chief asking a sheriff's deputy to just let them go. Stop. I don't think that's special treatment. I don't actually, technically speaking, she did not ask for special treatment. She identified herself, and she's hoping, hoping that asking for, sp- keep going. CBS's Jeff Begays has new details. A Pinellas County Sheriff's deputy was on patrol when he pulled the couple over in a golf cart last month. Hey, stop for a second. Listen to this guy, the tone of voice. A Sheriff's deputy on patrol. Like just the the breaking news kind of BS reporter. Oh, this is so important when it's not. Oh, gosh, fake news. Keep going. It's going to be a golf cart. No tag. Tampa Police Chief Mary O'Connor is in civilian clothing, along with her husband, who is driving the golf cart. Is your camera on? It is. I'm the police chief in Tampa. 
How are you doing? Then came what an internal investigation called a violation of Tampa Police Department guidelines. I'm hoping that you'll just let us go tonight. Hey, if you want to see a violation of guidelines... Uh, <laughs> okay, keep going. Okay, yeah, I'll say, uh, not to say I, I, you look familiar, so. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure I do. Okay, so, all right, folks, well, uh, have a good night. O'Connor then handed the deputy uh, her business card. Oh, all right. You ever need anything, call me. In Chief O'Connor's You know, it's not like he, she offered him a bribe or something like that. You know, just, it's the most innocent thing I've ever heard. And it's on the evening news with uh, Nora Big Hair O'Donnell. Keep going. In Chief O'Connor's resignation letter, she wrote, I would never want my personal mistake to stand in the way of the progress I have made mending relationships between the police department and the community. The damage may have already been done. The internal investigation concluded the chief used her official position to obtain privileges not otherwise available. Tampa Mayor Jane Castor. But I looked at this particular incident, and it wasn't about a uh, traffic stop. It wasn't about a golf cart. It was about integrity. It was about utilizing your authority to try to influence that incident. Hey, are you the mayor of the town? Or are you some sort of uh, wannabe pope? I mean, give me the hell a break. Is there any more in this report? Keep going. And just so you know, Tampa's mayor, Jane Castor, is also the city's former police chief. She served for six years. And by the way, the deputy involved in the traffic stop was not disciplined. He remains on patrol. Nora. Yeah. What did Nora say? Did she say something? Thank you for that report. Quite a story. Jeff Begay's thing. Oh, quite a story, yes. you got to say something, right? Oh, quite a story. I would have laughed out loud. It's a good thing I'm not anchoring the CBS Evening News. I mean, see, what the hell did you just do, Jeff Begay's? What? What? (laughs) Am I hallucinating here? Uh, Some guy, is this, who's Farrell? Farrell's on the phone. Do you have anything to say about this? I understand you're a retired cop. Retired captain. Welcome. How are you? Smartest thing your father ever did was promote me to captain. Anyway. <laughs> well, uh, I think anyway. all you had to do for that one was pass the test, right? Oh, 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 have you ever tried to take that test? It was unbelievable. I mean, the lieutenant's exam, the captain's exams, you, I. I know it is. Actually, look, I know, I remember vividly when my dad took the cap, captain's test. And he came home in a bad mood. He didn't know if he did well on it or not. And they had this weird, not weird, but. They used to play the uh, answers to the test on the radio. Do you do you remember that? They would actually uh, on WNYC, so you could well, see how you. To the police officers' exam answers. However, the, the lieutenant's test and the captain's test that I took was far beyond the test that you written test that your father took. Well, wait a second. Wait a second. Wait, well, whatever. I mean, my dad's pretty academically accomplished, but I'm telling you right now, he was sweating. That was a tough test, I know, and he studied hard for it. It was still a very tough, tough test. He passed it on his first try, of course. Anyway, Farrell, keep going. What's up? You did not have to take an oral interactive review. You were videotaped. You had to role play. All right, all right. Uh, hard, hard, hard. But t- you want to say something about uh, this uh, this thing in Florida? Yes. If you want to go step by step, first of all, that, uh, that golf cart, they had me getting complaints about golf carts. If you heard what the yeah, uh, I, well, well, step by step by step. What what is the bottom line? What is the bottom line? I, I heard Jacoby said, yeah, we have had problems with unregistered golf carts. There's a reason. I get it. But seriously, okay. you think this is okay? You think you think it's okay to for the chief to lose her job 
over that interaction, yes or no? It's not a yes or no answer because... All right, fair enough. I don't like it when sometimes people try to make me, so then talk a little bit, okay? What? Well, actually, it is a yes or no answer, but what's the bottom line, Farrell? i got to go in a moment. The answer is you made a very big mistake. In oh, the- come on, Farrell, lighten up. Come on. Did you ever show your oh, – you've got to be kidding me. Come on. You, she made a very big mistake. Can I hear the big mistake one more time? Do the wrong. Let me hear the big, big, big mistake that she made. Hold on, Farrell. Stand by. Stay with me. First off, stop you because you're driving a tag or uh, unregistered vehicle with no tag on it. Is your camera on? It is. I'm the police chief in Tampa. Oh, how you doing? I'm doing good. Okay. I'm hoping that you'll just let us go tonight. Oh, okay. All right, stop, yeah. stop. Where's the mistake? I wanted to go to. The point that I wanted to go to was when she offered her business card. That's okay. That's okay. The transaction has already happened. You're I trying. It's not incentivizing him. Not. It's not like Finish if you I'm do this. If you do this. No, Farrell. I'm just not. I can't believe that you're taking this position. I want to go to Chris in Staten Island. I have a feeling he feels opposite you. Chris in Staten Island. Hello. How you doing, Greg? First time caller, long time listener. And? And, uh, yeah, I'm a former police officer. I just retired a year ago. And police officers have discretion, okay? It's not whether they were influenced, but, you know, we have discretion. The whole problem is is that everything is so woke, and everybody wants to blame the police officer. There was no bad interaction there. The officer had the discretion to whether to let them off with a warning or give them a summons. What was I don't understand what the problem is, and they all they want to criticize us, but nobody wants to wants to praise the police officer for doing his job. You know, I served for 22 years in this city, and I want to leave this city because they're so they treat cops unfair in this city. They really do, and all we do is we work hard. And I'm pretty sure your father felt the same way because I worked under your father. You know. Well, thanks, Chris. I agree with you. Yeah, there is discretion. You know, we're not a bunch of robots. You're not a bunch of robots out there. There is discretion. You have to have some leeway. And I can't believe it. I just feel terrible for this person. I feel bad for the husband, too. I'm going to I'm gonna try to reach out. I bet she doesn't want to do any, any media or whatever, but I, I'm on her. Mary O'Connor is her name. All right, Chris, listen, thanks for the call. Thanks for your perspective. And you too, Farrell. Sorry I got all uh, hot and bothered, but, uh, you know, I just, uh, this is the way I am sometimes. I'll be right back. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. Greg Kelly Kelly. on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Uh, The Kennedy Center honors the other night. What the hell was Bono doing there in U2? When's the last time anybody ever talked about U2? When's the last time anybody ever talked about a rock band that wasn't like 20 years old, at least 30 years old. You're not going to see any more rock bands, you know, where a bunch of guys get together. You know, they learn as junior high to play in the garage and they get good and then they get lucky and then they get a record deal. And then, you know, they're touring all over the place and then they put their face on the record cover. You know what the problem is? Because a lot of these rock bands, if you if they're if they're organic, if they just sprout up on their own, you know, 
because of geographic proximity. What do you have with a rock band? Think about it for a second. Close your mind. What what do most rock bands have in common? Rock bands. The performers are white. Often. Fair enough? Fair enough. You notice how you don't hear about any new bands anymore? Because the moment you see three white guys or four white guys or five white guys on an album cover, that makes the woke left feel uh, uncomfortable. Or maybe worse, they'll just come out and say racism. So you're going to see it's all individual artists, individual. So that's why I'm seeing, like, who are these guys? Oh, it's U2. When's the last time you heard about U2? Anyway, U2 was there at the Kennedy Honors, Kennedy Center Honors. Hunter Biden was there. Everybody is wearing some sort of rainbow uh, collar. They're all in tuxedos, but then they wear this, like, rainbow ribbon. You know, the gay pride LGBTQ plus rainbow thing. And let's face it. Uh, how much longer are we going to pretend that LGBTQ plus are oppressed in America? Uh, it looks like it was mandatory to wear these col- colors. Uh, the acronym that's really under assault in the United States is not LGBTQ. It is M-A-G-A, MAGA. MAGA is under assault. Uh, this is the strangest kind of virtue signaling uh, I've seen in the last 10 minutes. Give me a moment. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hmm, so how about that? Kirstie Alley, I liked her. I wasn't that into Cheers, but it was amusing. It was on in the background. I thought she, I remember she went to the University of Connecticut. Remember that episode? Uh, What else about her? She was, um, you know, marched to her own drummer. I liked that. She was independent, didn't seem to fall for the Hollywood stuff. Uh, I think she was a little bit on the conservative side, real superstar on social media, great actress or actor. Um, I My earliest recollection was her awesome performance as a Vulcan in Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, which was an awesome, awesome Star Trek movie. Uh, it was a continuation of an episode uh, from the original Star Trek series. Anyway, she played can't remember, was it Savick, Sorak, something like that? And she had the pointy ears and everything like that, and it was, like, really cool to see her as a Vulcan. And here she is chit-chatting with um, Captain Kirk, who I believe at some point tries to, might even be in this scene, tries to kind of charm her a little bit. Go ahead. Captain's log, stardate, 8130.3. That's her. Starship Enterprise on training mission to Gamma Hydra, Section 14. Coordinates, 22. 87, 4. Approaching neutral zone. Oh, this is the Kobayashi Maru thing. And functioning. Leaving section 14 for section 15. Sulu. Stand by. Project parabolic course to avoid entering neutral zone. Aye, Captain. Here's the alley. Course change projected. Captain, I'm getting something on the distress channel. Oh, All speakers. This is the Kobayashi Maru. 19 periods out of Altair 6. We have struck a gravitic mine and have lost all power. What are you going to do? This is the Starship Enterprise. Your message is breaking up. Can you give us your coordinates? Repeat, this is the Starship... Our position is Gamma Hydra, Section 10. Told you already. In the neutral zone. Yep. Life support systems failing. Can you assist us, Enterprise? Can you assist Data on Kobayashi Maru. This is exciting. What is she going to do? Damn. She's not supposed to go into the neutral zone. Mr. Sulu, plot an intercept course. 
What? May I remind the captain that if the starship enters the zone... I'm aware of my responsibilities, mister. She's good. Uh-oh. It's a trap! Estimating two minutes to intercept. Kirstie Alley, it's a trap! Now entering the neutral zone. Warning, we have entered neutral zone. We are now in violation of treaty, Captain. Spy! Stand by transporter room, ready to beam survivors aboard. Captain, I've lost their signal. Alert, sensors indicate three Klingon cruisers. <gasps> three the Klingons! Four, closing fast. Visual. Yep, they're Klingons, all right. Battle stations, activate shields. No, you're screwed. Shields activated. Inform the Klingons we are on a rescue mission. They're jamming all the frequencies. They're not having it. Klingons on attack course and closing. Now what are you going to do? Mr. Sulu, get us out of here. I'll try, Captain. Oh, yeah, you see? You see what you got us into there? Klingon torpedoes activated. Alert. Evasive action. Don't, don't. Engineering, damage report. Main energizer hit, Captain. You broke the ship, Kirstie Alley. Turn fire. Ah! Nice job. Fire all phases. No power to the weapons, Captain. Uh, everyone's dead. Not really. Captain, it's no use. We're dead in space. Thanks, Scotty. Always upbeat that guy. Escape pods. Send out the log boy. All hands abandoned ship. Repeat. All hands abandoned ship. All right, open her up. And it was just a drill. Here comes Kirk. Kirk's going to say something funny and profound. Any suggestions, Admiral? Prayer, Mr. Savick. The Klingons don't take prisoners. Damn, he was good. Lights. It was a uh, it was a simulation in Star Trek Two, but Kirstie Alley. Got things started in that very good movie. Anyway, I'm very sorry to hear that she's dead at the age of 71. Great person. Wish I met her. I never did. Uh, hey, for more on this and other stuff that's going on in Hollywood and beyond, let's bring in Liba Nessis. She is a fantastic reporter and photographer for the Jewish Voice. She also has to be a Harvard-trained lawyer, but she knows everything that's going on in the world. Uh, Liba, welcome back. How are you? Thank you, Greg. It's been too long. I'm doing great. I'm here in Miami. I just finished Art Basel, which was incredible. incredible what, the, what is that? Um, it's like a conference with people from all over the world who come in to exhibit art, to view art at the Miami Beach Convention Center. And you get over 80,000 people from all over the world globally. And uh, there's a lot of parties surrounding it. A lot of celebrities come. Uh, Dior has a dinner. Prada has a dinner. Um, all the Gucci, um, Dolce & Gabbana set up booths everywhere. It's a major, and the wealthiest people in the world come. The hotels go for seven to 8000 a night, oh. and everything sells out. There's crazy traffic, and it's just a huge party all over Miami. All right. Sounds like it's something to be avoided at all costs, but I'm glad you're there. <laughs> Listen, Liba, tell us what the hell is going on with Balenciaga. You know, they made those crazy ads with the kids Totally disgusting, yes. totally inappropriate. Uh, I heard they were apologizing, then they were suing somebody. Uh, where do things stand right now? Well, I've written a bunch of articles about this for the Jewish Voice, and the title for my last article was Balenciaga Does Nada, because actually they have done nothing. So you have these two very incriminating ads with young girls pictured alone with bondage teddy bears, in a campaign that wasn't geared towards children. It was an adult-themed campaign, 
And then you have another ad where they show uh, a child pornography documents. And then and in that same ad, you have um, a book placed there by a man named Michael Borman, who frequently uh, features babies, castrated babies in his pictures. So you have a whole different, a bunch of incriminating um, things taking place, and not one head has rolled, literally. There hasn't been one person fired. The head of the creative director, Demna Gavasalia, should have been fired with his whole team. I ended up looking up everyone on his team, and they all have demons and Satan on their Instagrams. This one woman, Lada Valkova, who he worked with in the beginning days, she has an Instagram with babies being eaten oh. and four-year-old girls taped to a chair wearing swimsuits. And a really very – she had to take her Instagram private and delete over 100 posts. But even what's – I mean, I haven't seen it because it's all private, but really sick things, kids with skulls, a bloody child's bedroom. Uh. This is a woman he's worked with since 2014 who they call the invisible hand. All right, hold on behind. a second. This is all, It's all disgusting, but I'm getting a little bit confused as to who's who and – who did what? Uh, okay. Now, wait, 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 wait. Now, my understanding is Balenciaga is, you know, a fashion company, whatever, and they hired some production firm to do this for them. And I read that Balenciaga is actually mad at the firm that did this, but that's a way out for them. They're they're saying, like, look, we hired somebody to do this for us, and we don't like it any more than you do, and we're angry, and we're actually suing them. Is any of that true? Well, they the 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 placement of the children with the bondage teddy bears they take complete responsibility for it they never said someone else did that they found the photographer who specializes in shooting toddlers demna gavasalia the head of the whole company went out and found the photographer and set up the campaign the only time they were suing the production company was for the the case where the where the papers of a court case u.s versus williams which was a child pornography case. They said the production company placed those documents into the picture without their knowledge, and then they dropped that lawsuit. It was a $25 million lawsuit. They immediately dropped it because it obviously wasn't true. They obviously were the end. They approved the documents in the ad, obviously, and the case wouldn't have gone well for them. So hey, they dropped that. So- all right, hold on. Let me just take a step back. What is it with fashion in general? I mean, they've been doing creepy, weirdo ads on and off for a long time. And one that comes to mind, and I remember it vividly. In fact, I played it on the Newsmax show in the mid-1990s. They did this stuff where, like, it was like a casting call for child models in a basement. And it was really creepy in, a, in like, a suburban basement with wood paneling. And some older guy off camera is like, wow, you really look nice in those shorts. And uh, it's just, it was the... The hint was that this was like the build up to some sort of pornographic movie. And anyway, that's just one small example. They've been doing this stuff for a long time. Why? Well, I mean, it's run by a certain group of people. This guy, Demna, you know, there in October of this year, he had a fashion show where all the models walked down and they were bloodied and bruised. Their faces were bloodied and bruised and they have piercings all over. In today's environment, it's always about pushing the envelope and being edgy so that you can drive the media and drive attention and that drives sales. So. A part of it is endemic to the industry because these people, you know, this guy Demna said he goes to sex clubs, he goes to sex dens. 
So they themselves are corrupted, and also they make more money by, by corrupting society. Ay, ay, ay. Well, what do we do? We say no to Balenciaga. I mean, I don't care. The stuff seems really overpriced and not particularly interesting. I don't know. I, I don't know. I mean, I have no use for this crap. Um, well, nobody, yeah, well, nobody's wearing Balenciaga. Now, if you wear Balenciaga, you will be attacked on social media. Anybody who, I mean, Kim Kardashian, you know, stopped. She used to be this great fashion plate when they were dressing her. And I saw her in our Basel, and she looked like a mess. Her look was all over the place because Balenciaga is no longer dressing her. Mm. But I think people really just, it's outrageous that he didn't fire the creative director. He hasn't filed one photographer. Who's he? Who's he? Who's the guy who should be doing all this? Francois Pinot is the CEO of Caring. He's a multi-billionaire. He's married to Salma Hayek, and he's the head of Balenciaga. Oh, and now Salma Hayek, she's a real wokester too, right? Yeah, and he gives a lot of money to woman empowerment. And he just, he just in 2020, he was one of the first people to say we're no longer using models under 18 because it, it, it's not healthy for them psychologically. Caring was one of the first people to say that. So it's very strange for him to use kids who are no more than four years old holding bondage teddy bears when he knows this issue. And he also owns Christie's, the auction site. And now it comes out that Christie sells a lot of pedophiliac art. Christie's? Christie's? Yes, they sell art of children with them. with uh, noses of of penises. All right, no more. I don't want to. I can't. Oh, God. All right. Let's just talk about the. Yikes. Do you have anything to say about Kirstie Alley? Well, I feel I really liked her. Like, I really associate her with Cheers. That's from when I loved her. And it's just sad that we're losing so many. You know, she's 71. She's so young. And we're losing all these great, you know, icons. She was an icon. But she really kept a very low profile and kept to herself. Well, recently, in recent years, she was out there. She was saying all kinds of stuff. Talking, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's a was, shame. She's like a part of my child. I feel like I associate her with a part of my childhood. She was way too young to die, but uh, you haven't. I haven't really seen her in years. I mean, you know, with yeah, like, out it out. happens. It happens. So, Liba, tell us a little bit about the Jewish Voice and how do we find you there? Um, well, I just wrote two articles about Demna and Balenciaga. So, if I was a little too factually based, it's because I've kind of been steeped in it and all the people around him. I wrote about the downfall. I called him demonic Demna because I think this is all about demons. And then I just wrote another article two two days ago called Balenciaga Does Nada. And I think we really have to push back on this because this is an important topic. Child pornography is terrible. I mean, it's really something that society has to push back and don't let them push the envelope on this because next time it'll be something even, you know, we can never, never let our kids be even remotely sexualizing. Yeah, you would think, you would think. You know, it's funny. Somebody pointed this out to me today. You'll get in trouble at work for talking about sex with a colleague, right? Somebody you know. Even right. even like in the T.J. Holmes, Amy Rohrbach case, even somebody, you know, who wants to get it on with you and it's all consensual, you can get in trouble that way. Yet, yet, the push is on right now to allow teachers – uh, to talk mm-hmm. to our children about changing their gender, about sex, all those things. And if you don't want that to happen, somehow you are uh, a major problem. You, the whole don't say gay bill, which was totally uh, mislabeled and that kind of thing. That was just people who didn't want teachers talking about sexuality with their uh, two year, with their uh, second graders. So it, right. the, the world has kind of come off its uh, axis, if you will. 
Uh, I don't know what, I mean, I think God is the answer ultimately. I really do. And I hope people get closer to God, but that's another conversation perhaps, or maybe it should be every conversation. Hey, Liba, thank you. What's your website? What's your Twitter? What's your Instagram? Um, um, my Instagram is Liba Ness, L-I-E-B-A-N-E-S-S. Wait a second. L-I-B? L-I, sorry, L-I-E-B-A-N-E-S-S, because like Liba Ness. And then uh, you could just, I put all my articles on Twitter and you could look it up on the Jewish voice. But my individual is L-I-E-B-A-N-E-S-S. That's my individual Instagram. And I put links to all my articles. All right. And I love watching you and your family and you have an amazing parents and they are also in Florida and Palm Beach. You have incredible, incredible parents. Aren't they special? I'm so, I am so grateful. And I'm so grateful that, uh, uh, that you joined us today, Liba, and that you're out and about and keeping us informed. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. We'll talk <laughs> later. You, you bet. You talk bet. Ah, oh, good stuff. She's uh, she's good. Hey, Harvard Law. Harvard Law. And uh, and and knows all this other stuff, too. Hey, give me a moment. Uh, you folks still have some questions about that golf cart situation in in uh, Florida. When we come back. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Yes, I know. All right. The wife. The wife. Hello, darling. <laughs> uh, everything all right? How are those babies? Yelling all the time. All right. Bye. Um, how is it that she has a bit office pass? <laughs> I just like I want to be told. When she comes here, great, Mr. Kelly, your wife is waiting for you in reception. She comes walking right into the middle of my life, in the middle of... I love it. I love her. But... Uh, uh, you know what I mean? You know what I mean. You know what I mean. All right. Um, Got to get... Oh, no show tonight. I'm just doing the... Uh, she's back. What's up? Uh, she came to give me my vitamins the vitamins. It's no big deal. Thank you, honey. All right. So uh, no show tonight because the Newsmax is having the great big Christmas party. I'll be there. Should be a lot of fun. Uh, Joe in New Jersey as we wrap up this Tuesday. What's going on? Hi. Yeah, I just wanted to say about the golf cart. That I don't think she did anything wrong, but the first thing, her first mistake was asking about the camera and the recording, which I thought was good. But then later I said to myself, she probably shouldn't have asked that. Well, you know, what difference does it make, really? No, no, I mean, it doesn't but, make any difference. But she said, the but guy said, said the guy said. The first thing out of her mouth was, is the, are you recording this? You know which what? I, you know I what? That was good. I, yeah, and he says, yes, I am. And she says the, what she's about to say anyway. She says what she says. I don't know. I don't know. Hey, remember that, by the way. Next time you get pulled over, you're on candid camera. <laughs> you know? I mean, everything, everything. Surveillance. Talk about a surveillance state. Everything. All the. I think there are six cameras on me right now. And I'm on the radio. I don't know, Joe. I don't like the way this country's going. Uh, so, anyway, what did she do wrong? Nothing. Or what did she do wrong? I don't think she did, I don't think she did anything wrong. But she probably, in the beginning, shouldn't have I. You know, she asked, "Is are you recording this? Is the camera on? She probably didn't need to do that, but anyway. When did you retire? When did you retire? Me? Yeah. Uh, oh, but, um, I guess so, maybe 10 years now. Are you a cop? I know. I used to be. I worked for the Nassau County uh, for a long time. What I town? Retired. What town did you, What town do you live in? 
Where did I live? Well, now I moved to New Jersey. I'm near Tom's River. But I lived on Long Island my whole life. Uh, all right, Joe. Uh, yeah, I wonder, cops, you know, this this body cam thing is relatively new. Bob, I think, disagrees with you. What's going on there, uh, Bob? He's also from Long Island. Greg, how yeah. you doing? I love, I love your show. Um, this is where I think she made the big mistake. When she um, asked the cop, is your camera on? He says yes. What she should have done is not identify herself as the police chief, and she should have said that me and my husband, we never do this. Would you please let us off with a warning? Now, when she identified herself as a police chief, it's on the recording. Then she compounds it by saying, if there's anything I Hey, wait a second, Bob. I mean, you know what? Let's just lighten up here again. I'm sorry. Can I hear that again? Can I hear the raw body camera thing? I don't see a problem here. I mean... Uh, go ahead. Good. I'm Deputy Chicago Sheriff's Office. Stop you because you're driving tag or uh, unregistered vehicle with no tag on it. Is your camera on? It is. I'm the police chief in Tampa. Oh, how are you doing? I'm doing good. Okay. I'm hoping that you'll just let us go tonight. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'll say, uh, not to say I, I, you look familiar, so. Yeah. She's identifying herself. She's identifying herself. And she's expressing the hope, a hope. Everybody hopes they don't get a ticket when they get pulled over. I see no problem. And if you want to be, you know, what about the, we got the letter of the law and the spirit of the law. Remember, the law is supposed to serve us. We don't necessarily serve the law in a weird way. I just feel like it's a little bit much. Did she technically violate something? I guess if you really want to go there. But I don't, I I don't know. Discretion, Bob, discretion. Anyway, Bob, I appreciate it. Uh, You get the final word. Uh, my final word is is that she 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 when she was told the camera was on, that camera is reviewed in the police station. So you don't know who's looking at that. Yeah, camera. I know. It could be some jerk with an axe to grind who wanted to give her a hard time. Anyway, thank you all. Have a great night. I'll see you tomorrow. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network.